Okay, I'll announce it. We're doing things a little out of order. Yeah, it's fine. We're fine. Robin's homesick. She she left work not feeling well yesterday. So um, that's why we only have one Duncan here rather than, I don't know, how many are there? Too many. That is not true. Everybody right now, I want you to think about Robin. Think about Robin. And now I want you to see her whole and just begin to command healing over her body. Jesus, we just command healing over Robin's body and over the entire Duncan clan. Sickness, you will not prevail in Jesus' name. That was fun. Hi, Bard. Everyone, Bard's here. <laughs> Hi, Lily. All right. So this morning, we are going to talk about submission. Everyone's favorite word. Say, I love to submit. Well, the participation on that is telling. John asked me, John called me from up there. I was downstairs. And he's like, what's the name of your teaching? And I said, submit, fool. <laughs> and he like was like, okay, I'm going with that. And I was like, please don't. I don't want to be Mr. T this morning. Anyway, so to understand, wait a minute. Is that Kian? You're here. There are two Duncans in the house. That's awesome. Okay, so to understand what Jesus is wanting from us in the concept of submission, we need to understand the commission, right? So Jesus gives this, remember, this is, this is such a, an awesome scene. And, and Matthew, it's so interesting because Matthew does not tell any of the story surrounding the, the different times that Jesus met with the disciples after he rose from the dead. Like, it's just, it's, it's not in there. It's just not in there. It says that he, he rose from the dead, but it's not, you know, where he walks through the walls. It's not in there. He just goes straight to this commissioning at the end of Matthew. It's so interesting to me. So you have to go into the other gospels to, to catch everything that's going on. So in Matthew's gospel, it seems as if he just appears with this bomb, like, go do this, right? But he's already revealed, I mean, the truth is, is that he's already revealed himself in resurrected nature to the disciples. And he, he addresses them as apostles. This is so interesting to me. So to understand submission, we have to understand the commission. So let's read Matthew 28. Where are we going? Yes, good job. Matthew 28. I am so excited. Are you guys excited? That's good. Okay, very end. We're at the very, very end. Matthew 28, we're going to start in verse 16. Sorry, I know that I told you 18, but we're going to start in 16. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the women and left for Galilee, right? So you remember the story? Like the women were there. They were the ones that realized like, he's actually not here. Actually, the story goes that they show up and they're like, she's like, who took him? 
right? Like she thought somebody like body snatched Jesus and like he just wasn't there anymore. And then he reveals himself to her and then tells her, go and tell the rest of them. So Jesus sends a wool man out to tell the rest of the disciples what has actually happened. What an honor, right? And, and this just, no, Angie, don't go there. Okay. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the women and left for Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him, but some still had lingering doubts. Isn't this interesting? You know what's so interesting for me in this story is that it says that when they saw him, they worshiped him. These fellas have been walking with Jesus for three years. And in my mind, I'm going, what was this transition like? Never once do we hear that they were worshiping him. Never once. We, we understand that they were awakened to who he really was. Peter has this moment like, oh my God, you're him. Right? And Jesus responds and says, and upon that rock, upon that revelation, that you understand that I am he, I will build my church. But never once does it say they paused and were like, worshiping him. This is the only time that it says that they came, they saw, and they worshiped. Isn't that interesting? Just a lot, These are the spots of scripture where you need to allow Holy Spirit to kind of like tease out your imagination and run wild with it and go like, what was that like? Relationally. What was that like? Okay, now this is probably going to seem weird, but let's say we walk together. For three years, we walk together. We are inseparable. We do everything together. For three years, you guys, they lived together. For three years, they spent time together. They have a friendship. And then all of a sudden, they see him in his divine nature. And they're provoked to worship. Isn't that awesome? I think that's incredible. That all of a sudden, their friends, they're going, oh, but you're him. You're God. Okay, I'll stop. Some of them still had lingering doubts, though. That's interesting. So for you, I mean, like, honestly, let's, like, let's have a little grace with ourselves in these areas where we're like, yes, God, but... My faith is struggling a little bit in this area, right? Like it's hard. It's hard and I get it. I, 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 want, to, I want to have compassion on myself and uh, on you because we, we're called to actually pull the unseen things into the seen realm. We're called to manifest, manifest things that are mind-blowing that we've never, ever walked in. It's okay if we have doubts. It says in there that they still had some lingering doubts lingering is the key here. It wasn't concrete doubts, like this can't be, you can't be him. It wasn't like that. It was just lingering, left over doubts. Yeah? So it's okay if you come up against some leftover doubts. Give yourself permission. It's okay. He'll deal with it. Just submit it to him. Yes? Okay, let's move on. 18, then Jesus came close to them. Wow. 
Then Jesus came close to them. They're in this awestruck place of worship. Like they have got, their minds have got to be so blown at this point. And then he's like, I want to be right where you are. Then Jesus came close to them. And this is what he says. All the authority of the universe has been given to me. All of the authority of the universe has been given to me. Their friend, who they're now provoked to worship, is coming to them and saying, everything is mine. This is invitational. Don't miss this. All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority, in my name, right? He's gifting us his name. Go in the authority of who I am. Who is he? See, we read these things and we're like, that sounds nice. But we never actually apply it to our lives. Go in my authority. Notice he didn't say, continue to gather and don't ever do anything else outside of your little group. Sing Kumbaya and you'll be fine. He says, go. Go. Go in the authority Go in my authority and make disciples of all nations. You thought that it was good enough for you just to try and be a disciple. Or maybe you took it a little further and thought that it was going to be good enough for you to make disciples. Wrong. Go in my authority and make disciples of the nations. Until the nations look like Jesus, you're not finished yet. Right? Go in my authority and make disciples of the nations. This should be, you should be a little undone right now. If you're having some lingering doubts, it's okay. Right? This is huge. Huge. Go in my authority and disciple the nations. Cause the nations to look like me. This is beautiful. Isn't this beautiful? What an invitation. Baptizing the, I'll read it again. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. Now, don't get confused here. This commission is still what's over you today. Nothing passed away with these boys. This commission is still in full effect today. But we have to understand two things. Jesus' authority, right? And what is he commanding? Yes? Who he is and what he does through you. These are the two things that we have to understand. And that could look different based on who you are and what you're carrying. And I'll take it even further and say who you are, what you're carrying, and what you're submitted to. 
what we, what we are submitting ourselves to matters. And this is what I'm going to clue you in on. You're submitted to something no matter what. Just like you're worshiping something no matter what because you were made to. We were made to worship and we were made to be submitted unto something. Perhaps you're only submitted to you. But that's not all there is for you. We're supposed to be submitted one to another. Submit yourselves one to another. I know that scares us, but we have to get over that. We have to like allow the lingering doubts to have a moment, but then guys, step out from behind that. Those lingering doubts aren't meant to hold you. They're meant to expose you. Yes? Ask Holy Spirit to come and do away with the lingering doubts. Submitting one to another is invitational. It's not bondage. Say, it's not bondage. It's an invitation to fullness. What's it an invitation to? Yes, because when I stand next to you, you should be complementary to who I am. Right? When you stand next to me, there should be something that is pulled on. Remember that the kingdom life is about serving one another and pulling out greatness. Yes? Is this exciting? So when, when if Bard were to come up here and stand next to me, immediately I should have a response to what he's carrying. What are you carrying, friend? He don't know. He don't know, people. It's fine. I know what you're carrying. I, I know what my reaction needs to be when Bard, it, has anybody ever thought of Bard and seen greatness? Whoever said no, submit, fool. See, that's just it. The Bible tells us to call things that aren't as though they are. Don't get me riled up, Kean Matthias. We are to call things that aren't as though they are. Let's pick on Kean for a minute. Maybe Kean does something absolutely stupid. Am I supposed to hold him hostage to his stupidity? Absolutely not. I'm supposed to call him by his name. This, listen, we are sitting around wallowing in the fact that so-and-so is doing something that is less than them. Guess what? It is your job to call that thing as the, the thing that isn't as though it, it's, but how, I got confused. You know what I'm saying? Call it by its name. You want to know why I'm going around calling you Pastor Bon Bon? Because I see something in you. We have to start taking this a little bit more seriously. We need, if we're going to understand submission, we also have to understand greatness. And we can't shy away from that. We can't be afraid of one another because maybe we're carrying something that provokes something in you. That provocation is supposed to pull something in you, not cause you to hide. So right now what I should be doing with Bonnie is snuggling up next to her and pulling on the pastoral grace that's on her. Yes? 
Are we understanding this? I know I'm using real life situations here and I'm calling people out, but I can because I've got the mic. Right? So we need to know what one another carries in order to truly be submitted. And here's the thing. The reason why we have to understand his authority and his commands is because those are our boundary lines. They reveal who we are. It is the starting line and the finish line of who we are. When David said, your boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, this is what he's talking about. David looked far beyond and saw what we have access to and said, gosh, your boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. I understand your authority and I understand what you want from me. Yes? Wow. His commission is a kingly declaration. Say kingly declaration. Yes, because he's the king of kings. Who in here is a king? I'll give you another chance. Who in here is a king? Get your hands up. Submit, fools. The Bible tells you not to call each other fools. (laughs) But it also says that I'm a fool for Christ. So I don't know what to do with that. Okay, let me let me peek up my notes because I have a lot of them. Okay, I want to read a very lengthy portion of um, Matthew Henry's commentary on Matthew 28. Okay, this is what it says, and I want this to get you like super excited. If you have to, you have my permission to get up and cheer because this is really good. This is all on his authority, okay? This is going to lay out exactly who Jesus is and what he has access to. He has all power. I'll wait. Thank you. Observe. Whence he hath the power, don't you love this language? He did not assume it or usurp it, but it was given him. He was legally entitled to it and invested in it by a grant from him who is the fountain of all being and consequently of all power. God set him king, inaugurated and enthroned him. As God equal with the father, all power was originally and essentially his, but as mediator As God-man, all power was given him partly in recompense of his work because he humbled himself. Therefore, God exalted him. And partly in pursuance of his design, he had this power given him over all flesh that he might give eternal life to as many as were given him. If you don't think that he is grabbing all men. He has authority over all men. He is the shepherd of all hearts. If you don't think that he's capable of grabbing hold of all men, you're nuts. You need a revelation of his authority. For the more effectual carrying on and completing our salvation, this power he 
was now more signally invested in upon his resurrection. He had power before, power to forgive sins, but now all power is given to him. He is now going to receive for himself a kingdom. Don't you love this? <laughs> to sit down at the right hand. Having purchased it, nothing remains but to take possession. It is his own forever. The only thing left to do is for him to take possession. Do you think? Do you think he's taking his time? Do you think he's like, hmm, well, I'll get to it someday, Dad? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Where he has this power in heaven and earth, comprehending the universe. Christ is the sole universal monarch. He is Lord of all. He has all power in heaven. He has power of dominion over the angels. They are all his humble servants. He has power of intercession with his father in the virtue of his satisfaction and atonement. He intercedes not as a supp suppliant, is that how you say that word? But as a demandant. Did you get, catch that? You want me to read that one again? Because that was really good. In the virtue of the satisfaction and atonement, he intercedes not as a suppliant, but as a demandant. If you do not think that he, as the, in, the one who's interceding on our behalf at all times, is not putting a demand on your life, you've missed it. He's interceding right now at all times, putting a demand on your life. The reason why you might not be in the flow of his intercession is because you have not understood that you are a king. In order for you to be able to have the full benefit of his intercession, you have to agree with the fact that you are royalty, that you belong where he's at. We play around with this way too much. We play this false humility game of woe is me. Well, I've messed up too much. Yes, submit, fool. <laughs> We do. We have to submit to our royalty. You guys. If submission makes you wiggly, you just have misunderstood what's yours. We're just being asked to submit to the fullness of his kingship. We're just being asked to submit to the full on provision of a king of all kings, by the way. I, I don't know when we touched on this. Maybe this was Wednesday. I'll, I'm going to tell it again. Um, it's been like mind-boggling to me to reconsider the Magi who came bearing gifts for baby Jesus, right? This wasn't just like I know the portrayal in our cute little manger scenes is like, oh, it's just a little treasure box of gold and maybe a little vial. <laughs> of frankincense and whatever myrrh happens to be. I don't even really know. Um, it took an entire entourage to bring gifts before the king of kings. And he hadn't done anything yet. They brought gifts that were fitting for the king of kings and he didn't he hadn't done anything yet 
He hadn't done anything yet. Just born. He hadn't done anything. This is remarkable. This is remarkable. I, I don't even, I wish we knew. I wish we knew what, what the cost of these gifts were so we could like just be even more mind blown by, but by what they had done. And, and these, these men are not even devout Christians. They're, they're wrapped up in astrology and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. But they saw him. And they brought gifts fit for a king. Wow. And this is what Jesus is asking that you submit to. His gifts that are fit for kings. Jeez. Crazy, crazy. Father, I will. Father, I will. I, I don't need to repeat it, but Father, I will. Father, my will. So his will is, I'm sorry, I just have to point out the fact that the truck has now moved. <laughs> Lisa and I are playing Kingdom Authority games with the trucks parking out front. It's fine. <laughs> he has all power on earth. So now we know that he has all power in heaven. And he has all power on earth Two, having prevailed with God by the sacrifice of atonement, he prevails with men and deals with them as one having authority by the ministry of reconciliation. He is indeed in all causes and over all persons, supreme moderator and governor. By him, kings reign. By him, kings reign. All souls are his. And to him, every heart and knee must bow and every tongue confess him to be the Lord. This, our Lord Jesus tells them not only to satisfy them of the authority he had to, hold on, I need to back up. All souls are his and to him, every heart and knee must bow and every tongue confess him to be the Lord. This, our Lord Jesus tells them not only to satisfy them of the authority he had to commission them and to bring them out in the execution of their commission, but to take off the offense of the cross. They had no reason to be ashamed of Christ crucified when they saw him thus glorified. So he he appeals to them in his full-on glory. He lets them see him in full majesty, in full power, full authority, already reigning. He's taken back all authority. We even know that he went, he went down. He went down and took back the keys. Everything is him. He is the one who opens doors that no one can shut. Wow. And he 
is commissioning them through his fullness. This is what we need to understand. He's not commissioning them as mere men. He's commissioning them in their glorified state. Remember, he is our image bearer. He said, let us make men in our likeness. He's looking at them and he's commending them as kings. He's speaking them speaking to them as kings. What we have to understand is that these fellas have messed up over and over and over again. I mean, Peter just denied him three times. He's not looking at their earthly state. He's not looking at them through Adam. He's looking at them through himself. And he's commissioning them because he knows what they're capable of because he's the one that spoke them into creation in the first place. He authored them and he is finishing them. He authored you and he is finishing you. Understand his authority. He reigns supreme. There is nothing that springs up that has him shaken. Because he knows who he is. The big question here is, do you? If what is springing up in your life has you shaken, you need to understand his authority. We have to know who he is. There's a, there's a, a spot in scripture, and it's got to be in one of the Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians areas, where it says <laughs> that, that blah, 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 and he sat down. Perhaps it was Hebrews. I don't know. I wish I had it really quick, and I'm not going to take the time to look it up. But I love the fact that it states that he sat down. A king only sits down when they are content. I think it is too. Hebrews? Is it? Okay, let's read it. We're going to we're taking a um, a little pause here to go to Hebrews ten twelve. Yeah, it probably says it more than once. But when did you say ten twelve? But when this priest had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time, he sat down on a throne at the right hand of God, waiting until all his whispering enemies. Lingering doubt are subdued and turn into his footstool. You want to know where lingering doubts belong? Actually, under your feet. Because he didn't just keep his authority for himself, he's given it to us. We have dominion. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Okay. So then, so now we have a better understanding of his authority, right? This is what I want you to dig into this week is what is Jesus's authority? What is all his? Like, immerse yourself in this. Understand his authority. If we do not understand his authority, we will never be able to wield the power that's actually ours. 
We need to understand his authority. He has made all things right. He has restored all things. All things. New creation life is what is ours. Do you think that within the parameters of new creation life, sickness is allowed to dwell? Anyone? No. No. Do you think within the parameters of new creation life, shame is allowed to exist there? No. Do you think within the parameters of new creation life, guilt is allowed to dwell there? No. Do you think in the parameters of new creation life, poverty is allowed to dwell there? No. So the big question is, then what are we doing? We need to understand who we are. And the only way we can understand who we are is by knowing who he really is. Remember, we've talked about this at length. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. It's the most important thing about you. We have to know who he is or we will never be able to carry him out on the earth. The kingdom of God is ours to steward. We cannot steward it well if we believe that we are paupers. Only kings can steward a kingdom, right? Okay, so now we need to understand what are his commands. And to understand that, we just need to like go back to uh, chapter 22. We're still in Matthew. Matthew 22. This is like a one-stop shop this morning. Matthew 22, starting in verse 36. And we know that this whole thing, the great commandment, goes down because the, um, the Pharisees are grilling Jesus, right? They've got... They've got Jesus on the stand, and they're, they're trying to find holes in who he is. And that's just fine because Jesus knows what he's doing. So one of, the, one of the religious scholars questions him and says, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? See, what they misunderstand is that the law was given for them. But a king does not live underneath earthly laws. Jesus is carrying all of the authority and power already. They were still under the law because they wanted to be. They loved the law. So he's, he's asking him, so teacher, which one of these is the greatest? Well, this is what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. Are your thoughts exalting the Lord right now? This is why we have to take captive every thought. Make sure that all of your thoughts are exalting Jesus. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend or neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. Before we go any further, I'm just going to interject here that 
I don't want to be loved by some people because of the way they love themselves. In fact, if you are not regarding yourself from this day forward, if you are not regarding yourself as royalty, I don't want your love. Because you won't rightly love me. You'll be offended with me because I'm all in. I'm going all in on this. I am immersing myself in this kingship. I am going to understand my authority and I'm going to walk in it. Your love, if it's not riddled with royalty, is just going to be in my way. Get yourself some kingly authority, then we'll talk. Fair? And I hope that your message to me is the same. Seriously, take your kingship seriously. There's nothing else I want you to take seriously but that. Take your kingdom authority seriously. I want your message towards me to be like, whoa, sister, like uh, you left your throne. We need to be, we need to, we need to be aggressive with this. For, for my entire adult life, one of the scriptures that is always churning inside of me is the fact that Jesus says the kingdom of God suffers violence. Actually, how I learned it was the kingdom of God suffereth violence. <laughs> and it's the violent ones that take hold of it or lay hold of it, actually, is how I learned it. And I think that he's laying it out there. There are so many clues throughout scripture that speak to our authority. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but it's the violent ones that take hold of it. Violent about what? We've we've taken this throughout time, to the nth degree in a weird direction, can you say crusaders? Right? Much like Saul killing people in the name of God. Right? That certainly is not the way. What does it mean to violently lay hold of the kingdom of heaven? I think it looks like you in royalty, knowing what's yours. Not letting anything get in your way from what is yours. Knowing that when you are standing next to someone, you're having effect on their life without saying or doing a thing. I want us, I want us to regard our authority to that degree where we're, we're causing change just by existing in the space. This is actually what's ours. Do you think that if Jesus walked through those doors in his humanity, that everything would remain the same in here? Heck no. Everything would fall. Everything would fall. He opposes all high things. Anything that is standing in his way has to get out of the way when he comes in. Is that true of you? 
Vince, Vince and I were having a conversation on Wednesday, really about our youth group, and we were talking about um, holiness. Like, what does this actually mean? And how do we get the the youth to grab hold of holiness? And I'm not talking about be good so God will like you. That's not holiness. Holiness is like, what are what do we put on? What are we, yes, what are we carrying? What are we hosting? What are we raising up? What are we submitted to? It, most of us are submitted to our phones. I'll be honest about that. Jeez Louise. Okay. So, love God. And love others. Love yourself. Love God. Love others. Love yourself. Okay, so these commands, like, that seems pretty simplistic, right? And they're really, they are the only ones. Oh, my gosh. When you take his authority and you overlay it on these commands, the sky's the limit. It's just love, guys. We're just exuding love in his authority. So when we are walking in love, when we are shrouded in love, in his authority, everything has to change. Everything. I mean, honestly, if, if you come to me with a problem, my role is to declare the solution that causes it to manifest. Okay, so like the kingdom of heaven isn't about mere talk, but about power. So if you come to me and you tell me what your problem is, and I just like, well, sister... If you could just X, Y, Z that, we would be fine. That's actually, that's the kind of love I'm telling you, like, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, I, I, I don't want none of it. Right? I don't want none of that. I, because the kingdom of God isn't about mere talk. I don't want to just put a bandage over it. I don't want to just say, there, there, honey. Hang in there. God's good. Right? No, my job is to bring kingdom resolution. The ministry of reconciliation is ours. And that does not mean that you and I like each other alone. It is part of it. But that is not the only portion of that. We are to reconcile all things based on the kingdom's fortune. You have a financial problem? Let's resolve that. Let's reconcile that based on God's bank account. Right? I mean, this is, you guys, you should be so excited right now. This is what, this is what's ours. We are to, we are, the ministry of reconciliation is ours to dabble in. When you reconcile something, you're comparing it to something, right? Yes? So, What's our comparison? What is our standard? Heaven. What are you smiling at? Are you making fun of me? I'm excited, Lily. 
<laughs> oh, you guys, I don't know. How are you sitting still? Like everything in me is wiggling right now. This is so exciting. Bart, are you excited? Good. Good. Good answer. Okay, I still have lots of notes. It's fine. We're going to end sometime this morning. Oh, here's another good Matthew Henry quote. Christianity should be twisted in with national constitutions that the kingdoms of the world should become Christ's kingdoms and their kings, the church's nursing fathers. Woo! Want me to read it again? <laughs> Christianity should be twisted in with national constitutions that the kingdoms of the world should become Christ's kingdoms and their kings, the church's nursing fathers. Yes? Listen, this means that as kings, we should be nurturing the world. Listen, it's not an escape plan. This royalty thing we've been talking about is not an escape plan. It is learning how to infiltrate. Yes. We're supposed to be spilling out the kingdom of heaven on the earth. The only way we can do that is by understanding his authority and knowing what authority is ours. But we have to know who we are. Number one important thing about you is what you believe about God, right? So I'm not going to touch on this now, but we're going to continue in this submission. Let's call it a teaching series. Just so we sound like churchy. We're going we're going to tease out this submission theme. And the next thing that we are going to hit on is, is what I would say is the second most important thing is what you believe God believes about you. Okay. So that's, that's what we'll touch on next week. And, um, oh, I have more notes. Let's see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, this is a good one. I wrote this down. I came up with this myself, you guys. This is good. Submission is a co-mission with Jesus and one another. It is the evidence of our oneness. Can I read it again? Because that was good. Submission is a co-mission with Jesus and one another. It is the evidence of our oneness. Isn't that awesome? Submission is just a commission. It's evidence of our oneness. That gets me super, super excited. I love what we have. Like, I think I could burst into a thousand pieces right now. I'm just like that excited. Who knew we could talk about submission and it would look like this? Stand up. Stand up. Gosh. Good job. Good job standing. Okay, everybody close your eyes. 
Say, Jesus, help me put on love. Saturate it in the fullness of your authority. Okay, we're going to say it again. And this time, I want you to actually connect with it, okay? That means stop being like super wiggly and weird. Say, Jesus, dress me in your love. And let me feel the full effect of your authority. <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, guys, we are going to, we're going to worship, like I said before, our worship leader was sick before we prayed for her. See, we have to partner with our prayers too, right? Like when you pray a thing, you need to believe that it just happened. I, the kingdom of God is not about mere talk, but about power. So when you pray a thing, you need to believe that something happened because of the authority that God just put on you. So we're going to worship John's got some songs figured out. We're going to worship with Amazon Music this morning. And, like, just, like, let's go all in. Let's go all in on this. All right? All right. Hey, I love you. And don't worry. My love will have a kingly effect on